Hello, and welcome to The Midlife with Kimberly Sampson and Tracy Feldstein. If you're over 40 and under dead, you're in the right place. Hey there, I'm Kimberly Sampson, and welcome to The Midlife Podcast, where we discuss tools and strategies to turn your midlife crisis into your midlife transformation. Some of what you'll hear is from the recipe I use to get myself out of my own midlife funk. Some of what we'll discuss draws on my career in finance and banking and my experiences with entrepreneurship. All of it, my personal experience and my professional expertise are yours to help you design your next best chapter and thrive. We'll also have a special segment called Reinvented sprinkled in every few weeks. You'll hear from inspiring women who have changed course after 40, proving it's never too late to start something new. Join me. Hello, friends, and welcome to The Midlife. Today, I wanted to talk to you about sticking up for yourself. But before we get there, I think we have to talk about our pre-programming. A couple of weekends ago, my husband and I were in our bathroom together getting ready for the day after a leisurely breakfast of eggs, fruit, toast, coffee, juice, and copious amounts of crispy bacon. As we were chatting, I ripped a tremendous burp, like fraternity houseworthy. He turned to me and asked me if I'd ever thought about doing a podcast on being ladylike. I laughed, but it also really made me think. What are these rules that have been handed down to us, and how do they impact our decisions? Now, I'm a huge proponent of the rules of polite society. For instance, I was being gross on purpose as a joke, and also because I had single-handedly eaten close to a pound of bacon, but I never would have done that in public. I'm adamant about pleases and thank yous of myself and my children, and I've taught my boys to hold the door open for me and to let me enter and exit the elevator before them. Apparently, that last part is going to get them in a heap of trouble with this generation of women who find that to be commentary on their own abilities to open doors for themselves, but whatever. The concept of being ladylike, as my husband playfully criticized, though, is something that is truly a conflict for us women both internally and in the way we approach the world and confrontation specifically. Let me share a little story with you. Little League Baseball is back on. Yay! But also, ugh. The little guy is super excited to be back out there, even though his team makes the bad news bears look like the Dodgers. And I have it relatively easy because my husband's on the coaching staff, so he takes him to practices and gets them there early for warm-ups because a nine-year-old really needs to stretch it out an hour before game time. Anyway... I'm pretty good at timing it so that I'm sitting down in the bleachers when the umpire calls play ball. You should also know that there's nothing else on this stretch of road where the ballpark sits except the ballpark. Last Saturday, I was pulling up and spied a primo parking space on the street right in front of the back gate to the ballpark, which conveniently sits next to the field my son plays on. I legally and carefully made a U-turn at the main parking entrance, pulled up next to the car in front of my spot, and threw my car into reverse to parallel park into my spot. As I looked into the rearview mirror, a tiny little car swooped in, front first, into my spot. I am seething with rage just recounting this story to you right now. So I reversed back next to this car, close enough so that the man in the car, who I would say is about six years old, can't open his door, and I rolled down my window, and I calmly said, You took my spot. Well, let's just say quite the conversation ensued, and for the record, let me tell you that in no possible way was this not my spot. 
Turns out he also made a U-turn, obviously behind me. And even if he had been coming the correct direction when I pulled up to Parallel Park, the law says traffic has to wait 10 feet behind you while you complete your maneuver. So he's gleefully trying to say this is his spot, and I simply tell him, and I quote, You are a horrible person. He soon understands that I am not giving up and sort of half-assed admits it's my spot, so he agrees to leave my spot. And if you feel I'm repeating my spot too often, please understand it's because I am so adamant of my position that I have ordered a plaque with the date of the incident and my face in relief to be placed there in a ceremony at the end of the season. Before I tell you the rest of the story, a quick word from our sponsors. Just kidding, I have no sponsors. Maybe I would if you'd share this podcast with your friends and leave me a glowing review. Man, this event has me feeling snarky. I apologize. But really, share it with your friends. What I meant to say was, before I tell you the rest of the story, I want you to know that I was very carefully choosing my words and refrained from name-calling or swearing. I'll admit to you that was not easy and was absolutely a conscious decision. As he pulls away, he screams, fucking bitch. Well, he has just fucked with the wrong fucking bitch. I parked in my spot, walked into the ballpark, and spied my husband readily available on the edge of the field finishing warm-ups, so I invited him to come speak to the gentleman who had just hurled that charming phrase at me. And then I waited by the gate for my new friend to walk into the ballpark, and I confronted him. Did you really just call me a horrible name? His excuse? I was shrieking at him. So let me just translate that for you. I'm a woman, and I was sticking up for myself. My husband then wandered over and I asked my new friend his name, Dean, and introduced him to my husband. I then left them to chat while I put my stuff down. They were still deep in conversation and I felt it was my obligation to rescue my husband from the position I'd put him in, so I walked back to hear Dean still repeating that I was shrieking at him. I decided Dean didn't really know what shrieking was, so as I approached the two of them, I started jumping up and down and, you know, like actually shrieking. My husband, who's used to my bold antics, just laughed. Dean was terrified and now called me dramatic. Yes, I told him, just like a woman. Flash forward, Dean, it turns out, is the uncle of one of our players on our team, and I joyfully went about my regular way, including conferencing with my husband at the dugout in between innings, right in front of where Dean was sitting. He was very quiet during the game. I have three points I want to make. The first is Dean was banking on the probability that I'd back down, that I'd be too afraid to fight for myself, and even when I did say something, he thought he could bully me into giving up. It makes me angry that in most cases, I think Dean would have calculated correctly and that some of you listening would have driven away. And I don't blame you necessarily. There are a lot of crazy people in this world, and in many cases, it's not a great idea to confront them, no matter how in the right you feel you are. I am prone to act on instinct, and I have a huge sense of justice, but I'm smart and careful too. Knowing that the person in the car was headed to the ballpark and that I sized him up and my spidey senses weren't alarming me, I committed. I also know that had I not said anything, this would be haunting me. How often does that happen to you? Do you get bullied into just accepting a situation, whether by a stranger or a friend or by a family member? I've always been able to stick up for myself in the outside world, and I have many an entertaining story for you in that regard. But I'll admit to you that it is only now in midlife that I'm willing to stick up for myself in personal relationships, and it comes back to that pre-programming. 
Oh, I'm going to get raw with you here. My programming says if I complain, i.e. stick up for myself, people will be mad at me and they will leave. So my hard drive says don't rock the boat, suck it up, keep the plates spinning. Well, no more. And I'd like to inspire you to stick up for yourself in more situations by implanting this little truth. Sticking up for yourself doesn't mean that there has to be a winner and a loser. Well, except in my parking story because there is a loser. Dean is a big fucking loser. Because you are loving and kind, you sacrifice your feelings or your position because you're willing to absorb the damage, believing if you speak up, you will inflict damage. I want to tell you that speaking your truth can actually end up improving a situation not only for you, but for the person on the other side. I think the easiest example of this is our long-term marriages. How often do you unilaterally decide it's not worth the fight to mention something? That you have no confidence that you'll be heard and that anything will change, so you choose, yes, choose, not to say anything. Up until now, I'm sure you've been proven right. But it's not about what you're saying. It's about how you're saying it. My example with Dean doesn't prove my point because he's a misogynistic prick, but I'm hoping your spouse isn't. You need to calmly say what you're upset about. Explain why it's important to you. If necessary, acknowledge that it may not hold the same value to your partner, but ask directly for the change to be made. Please understand that the party you've made the request of does have the choice to make that change or not, and that you have the choice not to be upset about that. But I am confident that you will find great success improving the situation for everyone when you follow those four easy steps. You may be wondering how your partner benefits. Easy. They're going to be elated and much more eager to comply with your requests when you're not angry all the time. Saying nothing doesn't really mean you're saying nothing, you know. You basically walk around like a hot stove that everyone's afraid to touch. Which brings me to my second point, another of Dean's flaws and societal programming that we've internalized. If you speak up, you're nagging and complaining, just like a woman. Do you think if my husband had been driving that he would have let Dean get away with this sneaky little maneuver? And oh, by the way, if my husband had pulled up next to Dean, I'd put money on Dean apologizing within five seconds that he didn't see my husband and he'd drive away. I wonder how often part of our calculation in speaking up is rooted in, as my husband put it, being ladylike, especially in business. I know I faced it all the time back in finance and banking, and I had the double whammy of being really young too. You know what's shocking to reflect back on? I was criticized less for my boldness when I was finally married. You know, because now I had a man to keep me in check. My advice to you on that front is my advice to you always. Be who you are. There will be people who love you for it and people who don't. Did you really want the people who want you to be different than what you are in your life anyway? Speaking of that man that's supposed to keep me in check, my third point is an admission I'm not proud of. Why did I feel the need to go invite my husband to stand up for me? I was doing fine on my own. In truth, I was never going to get full satisfaction from the scuffle. I mean, I got my parking spot, but this asshole was never going to see the error of his ways and what he said to me after. For that sad human, calling a woman a name is full resolution. I think I felt very vulnerable in realizing that I truly am powerless to this and that I wanted backup. But I can only change the world so much on my own. What I do hope to change is that you feel empowered in your everyday life, whether it's in how you're communicating to the people in your world or dealing with outside forces. 
While there will be some situations where walking away is the best course of action, I want you to do it from a place of power, that you actively make that decision and are completely at peace with the outcome. Because if you're a person that finds yourself replaying situations and recalculating what you should have said, I want you to find your power in the moment. I want you to speak up for yourself and know that you have the grace to express yourself clearly and firmly. I hope that you're finding that the older you get, the less fucks you have to give. But I think that's a sliding scale and kind of depends on where you're starting from. If you need some guidance on how to move that needle down the scale, I'm always here for you. In reflecting on the weekend's events, there's a part of me that says I should have been satisfied with my parking spot and moved on. But I'm glad I confronted Dean. No one deserves to be spoken to the way I was. And maybe, just maybe, he'll think twice about it next time and he won't say that to a woman who wouldn't stick up for herself. Also, I know Dean's mom and his sisters and they find me very amusing. Don't think I won't sneak this into a conversation the next time we find ourselves sitting close on the bleachers. Dean has been a very naughty boy. As always, I thank you for listening and I really do love hearing from you when something resonates with you in the podcast. Do you have a story where you've stuck up for yourself? Share it with me. Is there one where you wish you would have? Tell me about it too. Maybe that'll be the catharsis you need to just let it go. And that part before about sharing the podcast with your friends? Dean says definitely don't because then we may have a whole bunch of us all empowered and kicking ass in the second half. Next week is a reinvented episode with my friend Lauren Bright. We're supposed to be talking about preventing chronic disease with diet. You think that sounds boring, but you haven't met Lauren. I promise it'll be entertaining as we dive into Lauren's story and the challenges and rewards of entrepreneurship. 